The Accounting Influencers Podcast. Cutting through the crap to bring you the very best interviews, insights and wisdom. From the planet's most influential people in the accounting and fintech world. The Accounting Influencers Podcast. And a big shout out to one of our special podcast partners, Dex.com. They wear receipt bank. They've been through a great rebound. There's a lot of great stuff going on there, Martin, isn't there, at Dex? You know what, Rob? I always speak to accounting firms about having a strong, uh, clearly articulated value proposition really early on in their messaging. You know, as soon as you see that firm, it tells you something. When I go to Dex.com, that's D-E-X-T.com, it says right in front of me, we make accountants and bookkeepers and the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Those three alliterative P's there, productive, profitable, and powerful. What a great, clear value proposition. So, as accounting practitioners listening to this, if you're looking to make your firm more productive, profitable, and powerful, not just for you, but for the businesses you advise, go to dext.com, that's D-E-X-T.com, and start a free trial or book a demo. Love that. Dex gives you more time and better data to advise on your clients' businesses. So your accountants get over to Dex.com. Thank you. And in this week's Here's What Works, we are deep diving on this idea of professional development, having that self-development work ethic that accounting practitioners and those that serve them want to be better today than they were yesterday. And it begs the question, Martin, what works when choosing a consultant or a coach or a trainer for an accountant or an accounting firm, where do you want to start with this? I will start with the previous episodes. A couple of episodes ago, guys, I think in the Saturday bonus episode, we were talking about the snobbery, historical snobbery, that is, of the accounting profession, who, when they win 95% of their referrals, believe that that's the same as winning new business proactively. Therefore, they believe that they're a very good salesperson because they always win the new work and therefore don't require any support. And what they fail to see or fail to discern is the difference. The difference between having somebody come in the door and saying, I'd like to work with you, please, and having to go out and speak to a business owner about the possibility of them breaking the loyalty barrier to their existing accountant in order to come and work with you. So to put that in everyday life, that's the difference between the uh, man or woman of your dreams coming in and saying, you're delicious, when can we go out together? Comparative to you going out to the man or one of your dreams and saying, you know that uh, other half you're with, I'm better for you than they are. You see the difference. There's a significant difference. So because of that, the practitioners don't always recognize that there is a need. And of course, they have a natural aversion to sales and marketing in the first place. And we had to invent a new word so that it wouldn't sound like sales. It's called business development. What does that mean? It means sales. So on that basis, if you are an open-minded practice that says, you know what, technically we're strong in this firm, but we don't have the skill set we need to proactively win work. We don't have the skill set we need to proactively educate our clients through marketing. We don't have the onboarding processes, the pricing strategies, the proposal formats. We don't have these things and we need some support. Even internally, Martin, we don't have the skills we need to manage and lead our people to attract new talent to the firm, to, to tell stories about what we're doing in a compelling way. We might not even have a sales pipeline. So on that basis, there are some practices, and hopefully yours is one of them, that comes to the re realization of this and goes, okay, we need some ex external support. Now that's great, but here's where it goes wrong. Because you guys are new to all this, you go out and look for external support, and my experience 
shows me that you tend to pick the ones who are the loudest on social media. First of all, ask yourself this, why have they got all the time to be on social media? Number one. Number two, we then find the blind lead the blind, quite frankly. So on that basis, you practitioners who don't know what it is you're supposed to be doing, get told what you're supposed to be doing by somebody who's never done it and also doesn't know what they're supposed to be doing. But guess what? They wrote a book on the subject, so it looks like they know what they're doing. But theory and practice are different words for a reason. Here's what works, guys. I want to give you a five-point plan right now for how to sift the wheat from the chaff or the experts from the garbage in appointing a coach, consultant, or mentor. And just to tee this up, Martin, to set the scene, we've got either an accounting individual that wants to find a coach mentor for themselves, probably self-funded to raise their game, enhance their career prospects, win more business, or more preferably, the firm is paying for this and the firm said, go and find a coach or the firm themselves are looking to appoint an external coach, mentor, consultant to help their people, whether that be coming in and doing some training, taking small groups or taking a few well-chosen people for one-to-one work. That's what we're talking about here now. It is indeed. You're absolutely right. So here's your five-point plan, guys. Are you ready? Here we go. At number one is track record. It beats everything. You will find people with large social media followings. It means nothing. You will find people with books. That means nothing, sadly, either. What you need is to find the people who have done what you're trying to achieve in other firms, a lot like yours, over and over and over and over again. So it's not a fluke. They didn't do it once and then they've dined out on that story forever. There's a track record, and I recommend a five-year track record. I'm sat here with a 25-year track record, but five-year min, okay? If they haven't done it for five years, they're still fairly new to this. And yes, that does make them more expensive. You're quite right, but you get what you pay for typically. So that's the first thing, a track record. Secondly, you're looking for a niche specialism, which means that they've got to have grown accounting firms. If you find an expert that has grown a legal firm, that might work for your practice in accounting, but not necessarily given that legal have a much greater need to win new business than accounting firms do because they don't have the same level of recurring business. Therefore, the tactics may well be more aggressive. The consulting uh, advice may well be far more acute, shall we say. And as a result, you're not ready for it. So not that it doesn't work, it's just not the right fit for you. So niche specialism, look for somebody, if you're an accountant, who is specialized in accounting. Next one, number three, go even further in your drill down and look for someone with a track record and who works in accounting, who has got the track record in similar size firms to your own. So if you are a million revenue, how many other million revenue firms have they helped? Why is that important, Martin? It's important because the way in which a sole practitioner can win work their ability to resource that work, the range of services they can offer, the pricing that they can legitimately maintain is very different to that of a multi-million pound firm. And therefore, tactics are different, pipelines different, sales process is different, proposal uh, is different. There's a lot of the methodologies that change according to the size of firm that you are and the size of market that you're marketing to, as well as size of prospects. Once you've got your track record and your niche specialism, now size of firm. A similar size of firm. You don't need similar geography. You don't need similar age group, but you do need similar size of firm. And if you're looking to, say, break a barrier, like a one million pound barrier and become a million pound firm, ask yourself, 
how many firms has this expert helped break that million pound barrier? Okay, have they done it? We want to break two million pounds after that. Have they done that too? Can we stick with them for longer so they can break us through two? So look for that. I might be jumping the gun a bit, Martin, as well, but would you look for the level of person in the firm? For instance, I've done business development programs for big firms and we ran a cohort of partners and a cohort of those below partner level because they had smaller networks, less senior networks, less experience, less confidence in the below partner level network. And you need a certain expertise in helping those people win business that will do it in a different way to what a senior partner might do. That's very true. And therefore, that depends on size of firm. So you might not necessarily look for that if you don't, for example, have a second string in the, in the firm. The fourth out of five, though, that you should look for, do they make the simple complex or do they make the complex simple? I like that. So, for example, you might get a, I don't know, a marketing expert. And let's go with a marketing expert. And they might start trying to talk to you in their language and talk to you about how the nuances of funnels and clicks and shares and likes and uh, cross-platform posting and... Uh, Logarithms of LinkedIn and Facebook ads and all of that stuff. That's right. And, and disappear at their own backsides with stats. I reminded the quote by Jack Welsh, uh, ex-head of GE, Martin, that said, any idiot can make something more complex. Yes, quite right. And we have a lot of idiots in the guru space. So you look, but from a practitioner's point of view, guys, you're looking for someone who takes an area of unfamiliarity for you and simplifies it. And think about this from your client's point of view. When you talk to your clients about tax, you don't talk to your clients at your level of understanding about tax, do you? You simplify it so that they get it because we don't understand tax as clients. So what you do is you make it simple for us to understand. And that's what the great expert consultant coach should also do. They should not start talking to you in jargon, just like an accountant shouldn't talk to a client in jargon. They should simplify. So look out for those who make the complex simple because they understand it at a high level, but can articulate it at a basic level. And that leaves me with number five. Now, guys, if you get all the other four wrong, get this one right. Look for the consultant coach mentor who can demonstrate a return on investment that you make in them and a payback period. So if you're going to spend arbitrary figure 10 grand with them, they should, by giving you case studies or stories of their previous work, they should be able to show you how that 10 grand will come back to you in new appointments, new business, cross-selling referrals, whatever it happens to be, and the timetable by which you should see this 10 grand come back. They should be able to show you conversion ratios from new appointments. They should be able to show you inquiry ratios from marketing, whatever their area of specialism in. If it's pricing, they should be able to show you the uplift that they've created in the average fees of the clients they've already worked with. If they cannot demonstrate ROI and payback period for that ROI, red flag, right there, red flag. You will find that most of the coaches, consultants, and mentors that you speak to cannot fulfill that five-point criteria because they haven't done it. And they are theorists who know what the book says, but have never actually proven it to work in reality. So ultimately, you want five out of five. I'll let you off with four out of five. Don't go with anything that's three out of five or lower. And that's what works. That's really good, Martin. And a final thought. We're talking about business development, bringing in new work. So there is a tangible return on investment there. If we're talking about a coach for leadership skills or mental resilience or something else, there's a little bit softer, if you like, management training, things like that. How do you go about tracking who is good and who isn't in those areas? Our ROI still exists. So if we go leadership, for example, then we say, okay, here are three potential leaders 
that we want to be partner material or department head material or whatever it happens to be. And you do a lot of future leader stuff, don't you, in your consulting? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. So they know what they would pay one of those departmental heads or partners. They know what that would cost. They know what that would cost to pay. They know what that would cost to recruit. They know what that costs to replace. So straight away, if you or the consultant, coach, mentor person is demonstrably able to develop the team into leadership material, head of department, manager of departments, partner designate, junior partner, whatever you think is your goal, then straight away, you know that you do not have to spend money on recruitment to find that person. You don't have to spend money on top wax salary to entice them away from where they currently are. And you do not have to risk any sort of client capacity vulnerability if you lose that person from the uh, the team. So straight away, you know that if you pay the consultant 10 grand, and I'm using 10 grand as an arbitrary figure here in these examples, and they bring you a partner, uh, a would-be partner to your table, that maybe has sold, saved you as much as 100 grand in recruitment and uh, incentives straight away. So there's a 10 times return on investment straight away. So even with something like leadership, you can still qualify. And that is what works for accounting practitioners in choosing a consultant coach mentor to take you and your accounting practice forward. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, what I think people don't understand about Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD phase one because they were the first software vendor to be listed as approved by the HMRC for MTD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole Making Tax Digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar.